Uh, yes, ma'am. I should have a reservation here tonight. Great. May I have your name, please, sir? Yes, ma'am. It should be under Child of God. Great. One moment, please. Oh, yes, sir. We have been expecting you. We have upgraded your room to a suite. <laughs> really? Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Here is your key card. Okay. Check out time and Wi-Fi code are on the back. Breakfast is from 7 to 10 a.m. in the morning. Yes, ma'am. Sir, you are now checked in at Hell's Hotel. We must be completely aware as the people of God that it does not matter how spiritual some of us claim to be here tonight. It does not matter how much we spoke in tongues here this morning. It does not matter how bulletproof some of us may feel in the kingdom of God right now. As Brother Seth so greatly preached this morning, we all have a common adversary that is planning to and seeking to devour every single one of us here tonight. Somebody say the devil. Matthew 4 and 3 says that it was the tempter that met Jesus in the wilderness as he offered him all of the kingdoms of the world. Matthew 13, 38 through 39 calls him the enemy, the devil, and the wicked one that sowed tares in the harvest. John called him a murderer in John 8 and 44 and a liar and the father of lies in the same verse. Paul told the Corinthian church in his second letter that he would appear as an angel of light. Somebody say the devil. 
And he wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 2 and 1 that he was the prince of the power of the air. Simon Peter referred to him as the adversary and as a roaring lion that walketh about seeking whom he may devour. In 1 Peter 5 and 8, John the Revelator called him the angel of the bottomless pit in Revelation 9 and 11. And in Revelation 12, 7 through 10, it shows us that the archangel Michael warred against the dragon that old serpent called the devil and Satan which deceived the whole world and then calls him the accuser of the brethren. Hear me tonight, I have not come to glorify the devil tonight, but I have come to show you who he is and what he wants to do to every single one of us under the sound of our voice here tonight. Jesus said in John 10 and 10 that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. We must understand that no matter what form, what fashion, or what manifestation that the devil shows up in, when he comes to us, it is not to be friendly. When the devil shows up in your world, it's, he isn't there to relate to you. He isn't there to comfort you. No matter what he is offering you, it's not to really bring you true rest. It's not to bring you relief. But when the devil shows up, it is to steal your joy. It is to kill your dream. It is to destroy your ministry and everything that God wants to do through you and with you. It matters not how much you have wept thus far in these altars. Oh, we must understand that this is exactly what the devil desires to do to me and to my family and you and your family. Every student, every leader, I am preaching to you tonight. We all stand on equal ground and have a common an adversary. There is an adversary that is seeking to devour. I will never, I will never forget the story of a young man of whom I had the privilege of youth pastoring for several years in my home church. Even at his young age, he had a very powerful ministry I was uh, it was so much more to him than just ministering behind the pulpit in our local church it was so much more to him than than just ministering in youth services or our street or nursing home services as he did. But he was an altar worker. He had a true burden for souls. God have mercy. He was one of those altar workers that would press until the breakthrough came into somebody's life and that he could pray almost anybody through 
to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He was a witness. He was a Bible study teacher that would pour into others and win souls from his high school. I remember many nights before I got married. I was just a young youth pastor. And I remember many nights that he would come to my house, me, him, and a few other guys, and we would lock in and we would pray. We would pray for hours by just us, praying for extended periods of time. And the Lord would begin to speak and the Lord would begin to move. I remember we would have young men from high from the high school in my living room with their hands lifted, seeking for the Holy Ghost in my living room that he would bring. Hear me today. I remember many nights where we would lock in and we would pray and the Lord would speak to us all. But I will never forget. I will never forget when he fell away from God. I will never forget when he found himself in a backslidden condition. Yes, sure, he had made mistakes. Sure, he had failed. But somehow this time he decided he was not going to get up. Hear me, he was someone who knew what it was like to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. Even at a young age, he was used in tongues, tongues in interpretation. He was used in prophecy. God would use him to lay hands on people and see miracles transpire. He was someone that was engaged in spiritual warfare. Hey, I'm going to tell you, we are going somewhere so deep this week. God is going to do something in our lives that has never happened for many of us. Oh, but you got to lock in with me on this night tonight because God's wanting to pull some people out of some things on this second night of youth camp hear me today he was engaged in spiritual warfare so he had found himself in the predicament that many who walk away from the Lord do yes he had walked away but he could not just flip a switch and turn off his sensitivity to spiritual things I need somebody to hear me tonight. One day while in this condition, he went to his father's house expecting his father to be there. When he walked into the house, he could hear someone moving around in the back of the house. It sounded like someone was going through papers or something like that, assuming that it was his father. Oh, assuming it was his father, he began to walk to the back of the house and call out to his dad. Dad, I'm home. Dad, are you there? Dad, I hear you back there. Dad, do you hear me? Why aren't you answering to me? The noise and the movement got louder the closer that he got. And his father never answered him. But when he made it to the back room, he realized that it was not his father at all in that house. But what he saw that day was the most evil spirit that he had ever come in contact with in his life. This was a devil. Somebody say the devil. 
This was a devil that he saw with his physical eye. This devil was big. This devil was black. It was ugly. But this young man had found himself in a powerless, backslidden state. He had been at youth camp altars. He had been in fiery youth services. He had been engaged in the spirit world. But now, oh, he is captured in fear. He begins to stumble backwards and run out of the house. And later he would say that he could see as that devil began to reach its hand towards him when he walked through the door. When he walked through the door of his daddy's room, that devil, oh, that devil, Brother Coven, he reached his hand towards him. Oh, and he began to, oh, he said he could see the long sharp fingers. He could see the nasty hand of the adversary. He had come in contact with the very thing that was after his soul. He had come for the very thing that was after his soul. I've come to remind you tonight just how real the spirit world is. The spirit world, it's more than a feeling. The spirit world, it's more than a tingle. The spirit world, it's more than an old story that the old timers used to talk about. Honey, I want to tell you, if you knew how active the spirit world is, even in this room here tonight, it would blow your mind. The demonic presence and the angelic presence that is moving around, even in this place, I wish somebody would lift up your hands and let out your voice and say, God, help me to be what I'm supposed to be. Come on, that five-second prayer ain't going to get you what you want this week. Somebody needs to lift up your hands. You need to let out your voice. And you need to reach for another world. You need to reach for another world. Your cute little prayer life ain't going to get you what you want. But somebody, if you'll set your eyes on heaven, something will happen in your world tonight. Somebody lift up your hands and talk in tongues. Somebody pray on the Holy Ghost. I've come to remind you how real that the spirit world is. Let me say that there's not one person under the sound of my voice that has time to play with God. 
There's not one person under the sound of my voice who can afford to walk out from under the covering of your pastor. You cannot afford to house and to hide secret sin. I got to tell you, playtime is over. The greatest harvest, the greatest harvest that the world has ever seen is upon us. And there's people in this room who still haven't made up their mind whether they're going to live for God or they're going to live for the devil. I pray that when this service is over, you got your mind so made up that there's nothing you won't let go of. There's nothing that won't leave your closet. There's nothing that you won't cut off. There's nobody that you won't break up with. Why? Because I want to be right. I want to be right. I want to be right. Come on, somebody get loose in the Holy Ghost tonight. You see, I told everybody your sound of them. I got to preach about something that we don't often preach about. I'm not going to come here and tell you that you're going to do great things. <laughs> I'm not that youth camp speaker. I'm going to give you a dose of reality. And listen to me. Don't clap. I'm preaching to some of you that's clapping. Hear me right now. I come to tell somebody right now, if you don't get sin out of your life, God's not going to use you. At some point, this has to get more. This has to become more than just a dream. At some times, at some point, this has to become more than just something you think about all during June and forget about the rest of the school year. But I'm talking about a young man that gets to an altar tonight and says, God, I'm about to sell out like I've never sold out before. I'm talking about a young lady that's about to say, God, I've been cutting my hair. I've been dyeing my hair. I've been burning my hair. Oh, God, your word says if a woman has long hair, it's a glory unto her. God, I'm going to quit playing. I'm going to quit acting like I'm something that I'm not. And I'm going to sell out. And I'm going to live everything that's in that book. I feel a hunger arising here tonight. So Somebody, you want something so real, so bad, but you got to go after it. You want something so real, so bad, but you got to go after it. God's not going to anoint what you pretend to be. God will not anoint who you're pretending to be. He will only anoint what is real. Somewhere, my message is simple tonight. Somewhere in a room, as young people lift their hands and they reach for heaven in the presence of God, we've got to be completely and totally aware that there is something else that is reaching for us. He couldn't get a picture of it. 
He was so scared, so much in fear. But I want to tell you, there's people in this room that have played with some of the same things that that young man had played for, played with just before he backslid and even after he did. I'm going to tell you what this week is about. I said it last night. This week is about God remaking. This is about God reforming. That's about God. It's about God reaching back into the dirt and making you what you're supposed to be. Come on, there's people struggling with all kinds of stuff. Come on, there's people in this room. Nobody knows about it. Oh, but you're having a hard time. You got this lying voice in your head trying to tell you what gender you are. I've got to tell you tonight, God created you. You are formed in his image. I don't care what kind of lying puke. I don't care what kind of lying devil has tried to convince you otherwise. I come to tell you, you are Fearfully, you are wonderfully made. He's got an anointing for you. And if you'll fight past that mess, there'll be something that gets on you that turns your school, turns your high school, your college, turns your family, turns your church upside down and inside out. I've come to fight for a soul tonight. Somebody lift up your hands and pray. I've come to fight for a soul. Yeah. Hear me tonight, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. Listen to me, hell has no restrictions. And hell allows anyone to make reservations. You must understand tonight that hell has no standard. Hell will let you wear all the makeup you want to wear. I ain't scared to preach like this. Hear me today. We got what we got. Me and my family, we got what we got because we're real. We got what we got because my man of God has preached holiness, submission, and separation. And he ain't never changed. And I don't care how progressive this generation tries to get. I want to tell you God will still anoint the ones that uphold holiness. Hell will let you get any type of haircut that you want. Young men, hell will allow you to grow your hair as long as it wants. Hell will let you keep whatever kind of clothes that you want in your closet. You can come. Hell will let you date anybody you want to date. Jesus. I'm going to tell you tonight, that's why we've got to pursue holiness. 
And that's why your pastor preaches purity. And that's why I'm going to stand flat-footed today. And I'm going to tell you, we got to have purity in every aspect of our lives. we got to have purity in our homes. we got to have purity in our relationships. Whether we're... Oh. We gotta have purity in our entertainment. We gotta have purity in our spirit. Isaiah wrote about it. Isaiah said, when the enemy would come in like a flood, what did he say? He said in Isaiah 59 and 11 that the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Listen, we are living in a world of perversion and sensuality that is flooding our homes. It is flooding our personal devices. It's even flooding our churches. My question is what are you going to do about it the same prophet that wrote for unto us a child is born gave us God's answer for a flooding enemy he did not say that the spirit of the Lord would let down a standard He did not say that the Spirit of the Lord will say, oh, some of that's old school. We're just going to let go of that. We believe we can grow that. We believe we can wear that. We believe we can put that on and be okay. I want to tell you, if you are lowering your standard, you are not following the Spirit of God at all. The answer to a flooding enemy is always raising the standard. I've heard the argument. I've heard the argument that we are in a progressing age. So we need to take it easy on some holiness issues to reach the world. I've come to combat against that argument because letting down on standards doesn't mean we are reaching the world. Letting down on standards means that the world is reaching us. I have been commissioned by God to preach to every young person. I come to preach to every student, every leader, every preacher, everybody in the room. The enemy is coming in like a flood. Please don't let down your standard. The enemy is coming like in like a flood. Come on, we got to get more committed. We got to get more consecrated. Oh, before you choose to let go of your standard, you got to understand that hell doesn't have one. Somebody needs to lift up your hands and say, God, my entertainment is yours. Somebody needs to lift up your hands and say, God, my closet is yours. God, my relationships belong to you. Come on, let's press here for a little bit. Come 
Somebody's about to raise your standard to combat against the flood. What are you doing to combat against the flood? What are you doing, young man, to combat against the flood? Quit trying to find a loophole. Raise the standard. Quit trying to find a loophole. Stand up and say, I don't care if I'm overboard. I'd rather be overboard and saved oh, than try to find a loose loophole and find myself in hell. I want to be anointed. I want to be who he's calling me to be. Come on, put your hand on your neighbor. I want you to pray with everything you got. There's people in this room. They're getting lies from every side. Maybe you're living for God all by yourself. Listen to me. You can stand, you can sit, you can do whatever you want. Listen to me for a moment. I've got to preach what the Lord has given me tonight. Hell has no standards. Isaiah 5 and 14 says, therefore, hell hath enlarged herself. Oh, God. And opened her mouth without measure. Watch this. And their glory. Somebody say their glory. And their multitude. And their pomp. And here it is. And he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. I've got to tell you, that scripture bothers me. Hell hath enlarged herself. That means that you can be high class or low class and go to hell. That means hell doesn't care if you're rich or you're poor. Hell doesn't care if your suit is a custom suit or if your big brother gave it to you. You can still go to hell with either one of those. Hell has no age limits. Hell has no racial restrictions. You can be a plumber, a painter, or a preacher and go to hell. Hell has no room for those that have, uh, hell has room for those that have known God. And hell has room for those that have never known God. Hell has room for those that support their pastor. And, and hell has room for those that don't obey their pastor and talk about their pastor. Isaiah wrote, listen, listen to me. Isaiah wrote that there will be those that rejoiceth that find themselves in hell. That bothers me tonight, young people, because that means that hell welcomes the dancer. Hell welcomes the singer. I'm telling you tonight, your shout doesn't save you. You can shout your way all the way to hell. You can worship lead your way all the way to hell. I'm preaching to somebody in this place. You gotta hear me. Hell, hell has room for those that won't respond. And hell has rooms for room for those that'll dance but never truly commit. 
Hell has room for those that are pursuing God and those that are playing with God. You need to know tonight that hell has room for you. The Bible tells us of the rich man that went to hell. This was not a parable. This was not just, this was not another one of his parables that Jesus drummed up to teach a lesson. But this this spoke of a certain man. This was a rich man. This really happened. It spoke of Lazarus. It spoke of men that we know in the Bible. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, the man that wrote half of the New Testament said, Even I can be a castaway. I'm preaching about an adversary that interrupts your life and pries on your mind. I'm preaching about an adversary that discourages your soul. But I've come to preach about the reality tonight that that fire-breathing dragon, that roaring lion, that thief that wreaks havoc in your life is not always that militant. Sometimes... The killer has no roar. His name was Dr. H.H. Holmes. And he was considered the first serial killer in the United States of America. The year was 1893. And Chicago was given the honor of hosting the World's Fair. This was an event that celebrated the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus's discovery of America. From May to October of that year, millions from around the world would come to this fair and many would turn in to stay at Dr. Holmes' three-story hotel. The first story consisted of a number of shops and stores and the two upper levels consisted of Dr. Holmes' office and over a hundred rooms that were used for living quarters. This was no ordinary building. Dr. Holmes, he would hire a number of contractors, firing them all before the work was done. And by doing this, he was able to create a hotel for the specific purpose of killing his guests. This is the same building that history calls the murder mansion. If you were staying at the World's Fair Hotel, you might run up a flight of stairs and find that it led to nowhere. You'd open doors and see only solid brick at times. You'd enter into the bedroom, and as you laid down and closed your eyes, you would begin to hear hidden pipes quietly come alive behind the walls as the gas would seep in to take your life. Many died in their sleep and many died in rooms underneath. Oh, but though he admitted, though he admitted to killing 27 people, some investigators estimated that he could have killed up to 200 missing people in his hotel. This man was a very wicked man. But the scariest fact of this story was that the killer realized, I do not have to Come to them if I can make them come to me. The killer realized 
I don't have to chase them. I don't have to run to them if they will run to me. I do not have to kill in the crowd if they are just willing to check in and let me kill when no one sees. I do not have to kill in public if they will allow me to kill in secret. I've got to preach tonight that sometimes the killer doesn't roar. We know that that the adversary, the devil, the first time we see him... In scripture, the Bible says in Genesis, oh, that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. I want to tell you here today, sometimes you don't feel the wings, or feel the wind off of the wings of that fire-breathing dragon. Sometimes, oh, Brother Seth, what a great job you did today. But sometimes that lion isn't roaring, and you don't see the sharp teeth, and it don't look so bad, and it don't look so ugly. But I've got to preach very simply that the devil creates places of rest and hospitality hoping that you will stay to die there is somebody that I've come to preach to tonight that even though you're called even though you're gifted even though you're anointed you have found yourself checked into a place that hell designed specifically for your demise oh maybe you're from a good family maybe oh maybe you're from a preacher's home maybe you're from a family oh oh that is upright and does everything they can do I come to tell you it don't matter the adversary will design he will design a room specifically for you. Judges tells us of a man with great supernatural strength. We know it's Samson. Somebody say Samson. Oh, Samson was so strong that he picked up the gates of Gaza, ran up a mountain and threw them as far as they could go. He was the same man that picked up the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand Philistines. He was so strong. He was so gifted. Old Judges 16 and 5 says that the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth and by what means we may prevail against him that we may bind him to afflict him and we will give thee every one of us 1100 pieces of silver hear me today Delilah was nothing less than a mercenary hired from hell Samson could not be stopped by Satan's hand an army of a thousand men could not stop him but we see in Judges 16 and 18 after Delilah is offered 1100 pieces of silver from every one of the Philistines to kill him we see it says and when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines saying come up this once for he had shown me all his heart then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand it was payday but we see in verse 19 and and she made him sleep. Sleep, Samson. Everything is going to be okay. Almighty oh, anointed warrior. Sleep, rest your head on my knees. Oh, the Bible said she made. 
made him sleep and she called for a man oh you know what I'm talking about a man that couldn't defeat Samson before a man that could never take him one on one but because he was checked into hell's hotel because he had found himself sleeping in a place of comfort because he had got careless because he was driven by his lust because hell had designed him the perfect room and the perfect situation here comes the man and the Bible says she and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head and she began to afflict him and his strength went from him I've got to preach to you today Samson was convinced that he loved her and she loved him back but what she would do, would tell, she would tell him, she would tell him, I love you when he was awake. But when he went to sleep, she would afflict him. I've come to tell you there's some of you that's in that predicament here tonight. There's some things that you're in love with. But what you don't understand is when you close your eyes and you oh and you and you go into dream world of hell's hotel, you don't understand that an adversary is standing above you in the middle of the night. An adversary is standing above you in the middle of the night. Oh, and he's oh, he's big and he's black and he's dark and he has oh, he has them sharp fingers that I preached about and he's afflicting your soul. I want to tell you here today: a thousand men could not stop Samson, but one ungodly relationship did. A thousand warriors couldn't stop him. But one girl, one girl, one girl that was sent from hell stripped him of every ounce of anointing that he had ever walked under. One girl would drain him of every ounce of spiritual strength he had. The same voice that claimed to love him in the day was the same voice that afflicted him while he slept. I want to tell you, hell doesn't need a thousand Philistines to battle you if you'll just check in. Oh, hell doesn't need a thousand Philistines. He don't need, he don't need a whole school to turn against you. Just as long as when you go home, you check into Hell's Hotel and the parents don't know and the pastor don't know and the youth pastor don't know and nobody knows. And that devil, that devil says, oh, just sleep on. I've come to preach to somebody. Samson, you got to get up, man. Samson, you can't. Ah, Samson, you got to get up. You can't stay in that pit. Get up. Get up, Samson. You're going to die. He's going to strip you of your calling. You got to get up. Somebody lift up your heads and pray. Oh, God. I'm fighting for you, young man. I'm pulling for you, young man. On a Tuesday night of youth camp, you're checked into a place that you have no business being. Get up. Get up. 
you're too comfortable. Oh, get up. You don't even know that as you're, as you're sleeping, the adversary is coming to strip away everything that you've gained with God. you got to understand, Samson was raised right. His parents took a Nazarite vow for him. But I want to tell you, it don't matter how good of a home you come from. There's a room designed for you. Hell knows he can't just run. Hell knows that he can't send all the demons in hell to run up in your church. Hell knows that your man of God will stand up. Hell knows you'll be bold enough to stand up. Hell knows your youth pastor will stand up. Hell knows that your parents will stand up and fight against it. So that's not what he does. He said, oh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I don't ever have to run into their church. I don't have to interrupt anything he's doing. I'm just going to make it pretty. And the bed's going to be just right. And the reservation is going to be paid for. And all they got to do is check in. There's a beautiful basket in the room. And it's all nice and it's all pretty. If you'll just check in and go to hell. What about it, Jonah? Jonah had the clearest call of all. When you look at Jonah, when you look at the first two two verses in Jonah, God says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Jonah had complete clarity in his call. He had the call, get up and go. He had the location. Nineveh, some of you may feel a call, but you don't know where to. Maybe, you, maybe it's even the missions. You don't know what country. You're going to AYCs and you're doing missions. You're trying to work all that out. That's not how it was with Jonah. He gave him the call. He gave him the, he gave him the, the place. And then he even wrote his notes for him and gave him the message. Go and cry against the city. He said, you get up there, Jonah, and you preach judgment to that nation. you got to understand this. If you, go to, if you go and study out how many souls were in Nineveh at that time, there are most scholars and theologians that said there were upward of over 600,000 people. You know what God was saying? God was saying, boy, I've got a 600,000 soul revival for you. Then we, we see God give this clarity in his call, but even in the midst of great clarity, we see Jonah flee from the presence of God. And Jonah, no matter what he feels, no matter how much anointing he feels, there's something else on the inside of him pulling him another direction. Oh, and Jonah is now running from God. He goes down to a trade city known as Joppa, and he trades the clarity of his call for absolute uncertainty. He boards a ship to Tarshish, which is 2,500 miles away from Nineveh. Jonah said, 
I'm buying a ticket 2,500 miles away from where God wants me to be. Isn't it amazing that those whose call is the clearest often run the farthest away? I'm preaching to some people that's been running for a long time here today. I'm preaching to a Jonah in the room. Isn't it amazing? Oh, you've always knew that something was special about you, but you've ran and you're a long, you feel a long way from God here today. I've come to preach, so it is here. Jonah, he's running from the call and, and he's running from the very presence of God. And it's in Jonah 1 and 5 that we see that Jonah had gone down into the side of the ship. Somebody say he went down. And the scripture tells us that he had laid down and was fast asleep. Jonah had checked in to Hell's Hotel. But you got to watch this with me. Because as Jonah is sleeping... The mariners of this ship, the sailors of this ship, they are going absolutely crazy on the top of the ship. Why? It's very simple. God had sent a storm. Somebody say a storm. And the storm was so bad that we see the mariners. They're taking all the cargo they can and they're throwing it overboard. And the next thing you know, the captain of the ship, the shipmaster, he comes down. Oh, where Jonah is sleeping. I've got to preach verse 6 to you. It says, so the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? What was he saying? Let me put this in English for you. When he said, what meanest thou, O sleeper? The captain of the ship was saying, Jonah, how in the world can you even be asleep right now? you got to understand, the storm is so bad. The storm is so bad here that this is about to be sunk at the bottom of the sea. But I want to tell you, that's something about Hell's Hotel. You can be in the middle of the worst storm in the world and not even know it. Parents are looking and saying something's wrong. Pastors looking and saying something's wrong. Youth pastor and youth group saying that ain't this ain't right. Something's not right with him. Oh, he's got to pray. That's what the master of the ship said. He said, "What meanest? What meanest this old sleeper?" He said, "Arise and call upon thy God." What was he saying? He was saying, "Get up, boy. You got to pray. Get up, boy. Call upon." Oh. I'm preaching to somebody here today. You ain't prayed at youth camp yet, but I'm begging you. I'm begging you. You've got to get out from where you've been. You've got to get out. Somebody lift up your hands. Let's stand across the room. I tell you what, give me a piano player tonight. Let's stand across the room, all of us. I'm trying to fight for somebody's soul here today. 
I'm telling you, if you stay in that bed tonight, the ship is going down. I've come with a word from God for a young person in this building. Don't you dare sit there in your comfort. Get out from where you are. You cannot stay there any longer. His name was Eutychus. Somebody say Eutychus. He was in the middle of red hot revival. Brother Seth, the Bible says that Eutychus sat in a window and in the middle of the apostle Paul preaching, he falls asleep. Somebody say he was asleep. And the Bible says that Paul would continue his speech until midnight. Somebody say midnight. You don't want me to preach to midnight. <laughs> I don't want me to preach to midnight. But you got to understand the Bible says that this young man in the middle of red hot apostolic revival with one of the greatest preachers that the Bible had ever known, known as the Apostle Paul. You know, the one that they took pieces of his clothes and they dispersed them to people and they got healed and devils came out. That was the man that was preaching. But this story tells us, this story teaches us that it don't matter who's preaching. You can still check out of the service and check in to hell's hotel. The Bible said he stooped over and he fell down. And they took him up dead. Hear me today. I've always looked at this. Brother Maddox, I've always looked at this story. And I've always wondered, why did he preach until midnight? I don't know what time service started. Maybe it was 6.30 like tonight. Maybe it was 7.30, normal apostolic time. I don't know. But this much I know. I believe Paul went a little longer that night. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Because he looked up in the, in the window. And he said, I wonder if I can give him enough to reach that young man that's fallen asleep tonight. I preached almost an hour tonight. I know I, I don't plan to be this long every night. But if God would somehow highlight you to me tonight, I would come to you tonight. Because I know what it's like to be in apostolic atmospheres where God is ready to empower, but I'm dozing off and falling asleep. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. I've come to tell a Eutychus, Eutychus, get up. Jonah, you got to get up. The ship is going down. Samson, you got to get out of that girl's lap. 
you got to wake up today. I'm preaching to oh, I'm preaching to somebody. You got to get out. You got to get out. You got to get out of that pit. You got to get out. I'm begging somebody on a Tuesday night. You can't stay here. You can't stay here anymore. You got to get out of that place of comfort. You got to get to an altar. And you got to say, God, I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I've been trapped. I've been trapped in hell's hotel. Come on, young lady. God's going to give you the strength to end that relationship tonight once and for all. Every student, every worker, get out of your seat and find some way to pray. God is wanting to deal with us. God, I've been checked in. God, I've been checked in for too long. Come on, young man. You got to make the decision. Is it going to be your ministry? Or is it going to be that unsaved relationship? Come on, young lady. You got to, something's on the line tonight. Something's going to go tonight. Is it going to be your anointing? Or is it going to be that thing that God is requesting of you? Come on, singers. Let's pray right now. We don't need nobody singing. We need everybody. We need 100% in this room searching your soul. God, I've been trapped. God, I've been trapped. I'm checking out. Oh, God. Come on, workers. Staff in the back. Work up. Work your way up here. We got people on the floor seeking God. Come on, this is what this is all about. Come on, young man. Make up your mind. If you got to break that smartphone and have a flip phone for the rest of your life, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to serve the Lord. Come on, Jonah, you got to move. Come on, Jonah, you got to pray. Come on, we need to pray right now. Why in the world are there people that's been singing on this platform tonight not praying right now? It doesn't make sense to me. Tap in right now. We don't need no singing. This is your moment. Come on. Come on, I'm begging somebody. I'm pleading. Your ministry is at stake. There's a call for you. There's a purpose for you.
Jesus. God, I got to reach for you more than that devil's reaching for me. I got to reach for you, God, more than that devil is reaching for me. I got to get my victory tonight. I got to get my victory tonight. I've been stuck in this rut. I've been trapped in this room. I've been checked in into hell's hotel for too long. Jesus. Come on, somebody's about to get real with God. Come on, if you'll get real with God, He will get real with you. If you will get real with God on a Tuesday night, He will get real with you. Come on, I'm begging you workers. I'm begging you staff. Find somebody to pray with. Come on, lay hands on somebody. Nobody's standing around. Nobody looking around. Come on, this is a night of decision and destiny. This is a night of great decision and great destiny. Can I take this out there? Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Come on, make that commitment tonight. This is my night to change.
victory over this bitterness I'm getting victory over this bitterness come on some of you your daddy left you your mama left you and you've been trapped in a hotel of bitterness for years tonight you gotta say the words I forgive them Come on. God's come to rescue you tonight. Come on, young man. You failed a thousand times. But I'm challenging you. Get up and get out of that cycle of sin. Get up out of that cycle of sin.
Come on, some of you, you need to pray louder. Pray louder than the devil's trying to talk to you right now. Come on. Somebody needs to take your ministry back. Somebody needs to take your calling back. Somebody press. Press in prayer. Listen to me for a moment. Listen, I know we got people praying everywhere. Listen to me. If you're laying hands on someone, stop for a moment. If you're lifting your voice, stop for a moment. Listen to me. I've got I've to say this tonight. Nobody just goes in that room by themselves. But you always bring things in there with you. I don't know what's inside your bag. I don't know what all God's promised you. I don't know what God said at your last altar call. I don't know what's been prophesied over you, but I've come to tell you. If you don't fight to get out of that room, there's some things you're going to lose forever. There's some anointings that God wants to use to absolutely turn college campuses and high schools upside down. But if you stay this dies with it. If you stay in that place, 
the revival for your family dies with it. I want us all to stand across the room right now. Listen, we've cried, we've repented. Let's all stand. Nobody on the ground. If you're on the ground, get up. Don't you close your eyes. And I want you to lift up your hands. Come on, close your eyes, hands lifted. I want you to think about all that God has promised you. I want you to think about all the calling and all the anointing. It don't matter if you ain't seen it yet. It's in the bag. Listen. It don't matter if you ain't seen it yet. It's in the bag. And God's getting ready to open up the bag. But before God opens up the bag, somebody's got to fight. We have wept, we have cried, we had said, God, I'm sorry. But I'm challenging somebody to lift up your hands, close your eyes. And when I count to three, there's about to be spiritual warfare that is activated in this room. Hey, look at me. Look at me. It's just a room that's been created for you. You can't get discouraged. You've got to make up your mind. I'm going to fight for what God said I could have. I know it's early. But I'm not going to let you cry tonight and then preach tomorrow that we're going to have victory. We are going to go deep this week. So right now, hands up. I don't know what's in the bag. What's in the bag, young lady? I don't know what God's... Pro- oh, I don't know. I don't know what you've been carrying around. Come on, you ain't seen it in so long. You ain't thought about it in so long. You're convinced that it's not there. But I want to tell you, it's exactly where God put it. You've carried it in that room. And you got to make up your mind. No, I'm going to fight for my ministry. You got to make up your mind. I'm going to fight for all God said I could have. I'm going to fight. Come on, I want you to lift your voice. I want you to talk in tongues. I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to have everything God said I could have. I'm coming out of that room. I'm taking what is mine. Come on, I want you to lift your voice. I want you to pray with all you got. Singers, you can come sing. But right now, everybody, I want your hands lifted. I want your voice lifted. Cry out unto the Lord. Cry out unto the Lord. There's a hunger. Come on, lift your voice. I am desperate. Somebody, Baha Sanda. You are 
close your eyes and fight. Close your eyes and fight. Close your eyes, Samson. It's time to pray. Close your eyes, Jonah. It's time to fight with all you've got. Come on right now. Lift your voice. Sukuturi Bahasaye. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. No. Not anymore. I need you, Lord. I need you. Come on right now, lift your voice. Hunger. Somebody's praying with some authority right now. Somebody's praying with authority. you promised me I can't afford to lose the revival for my family Come on, nobody looking around. If you're done praying for yourself, find somebody to pray with. You're coming out. You're coming out. You're coming out. You're coming out.
I need you. 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 I need you.